Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Campfire Football. Yeah, I took a little bit of a break. A uh, couple weeks after my last episode with Ida Sports, which was was so filling that I didn't feel the need to jump right back in the next day. And there was so much going on, so much going on personally, you know, in my in my own life, especially as a coach. Finally, was able to get through a couple weeks and recharge the batteries. Now I'm ready to go and deliver as much content over the next few months as I can to really get Campfire Football going. So a few fun announcements. Uh, first of all, I'm stoked because I just finished my master's program. I officially have a master's degree in sports science and pedagogy, basically being a coach. That's been really, really fun to, to go through. It's been 18 months, and now that I'm there, it's kind of an amazing thing to have on my resume and just a cool thing to be able to take into the future. I don't really know where it's going to lead, but it was interesting to take a path like that instead of taking the USSF licensing uh, courses over the last 18 months. And I mentioned this you know, just from a coach's perspective, because the B license, which is the next one for me, uh, for USSF, uh, unfortunately, they, they, the USSF has a model where you have to apply and then get invited. And I personally think that's anti-education to the entire system to try and add a, an obstacle, if you will, for coaches to be able to improve themselves and, and improve their learning. I think part of the other problem is they want you coaching at a certain level before you can get the course, which starts to make you wonder, well, how am I going to be able to get to certain levels without a certificate that says that I'm allowed to go there? Or does the certificate mean, congratulations, you have now coached X amount of years at this level, and so now here's your certificate. I don't know if they've really figured this out. That is the reason why I decided to do a master's. And uh, for anyone that you know, I've heard this from some people going, oh, yeah, that's that Ohio University thing, whatever. Like, doesn't mean you're a good coach. No, it doesn't. And having your A license doesn't mean you're a good coach either. Because hacks who got that in the 90s and the program has gotten 10 times more involved, more rigorous and more difficult. Now, the funny thing is your A license course and your B license courses, yeah, these take a year. Um, you have a couple residencies that you do and a couple meetings with coaches and you have assignments. But what I just did is 18 months of two assignments per week, final projects, presentations, pouring through lots and lots of research papers, right? This was not, you know, here's what tactics I would use uh, against a 352, for instance. It, it had very little to do with that kind of thing. There were a couple classes on developing the advanced player, but there was so much more, right? I learned a lot about injury prevention. I learned a lot about just team building, learning how people learn. That's probably the most important one as a coach. And it's been an amazing experience. So shout to Ohio University for that. I will be doing an episode with uh, one of the instructors and and uh, directors of this program at some point to sort of be able to bring you the campfire football perspective and uh, be able to have someone speak on this because I do think it's really, really valuable and more coaches will get better if they take a more serious path of education than just, you know, the, the licensing models for USSF, which I do think are still important. I still plan on getting those. But anyway, that, so that's an exciting thing. I'm, I'm very proud, but um, more than anything, stoked on what that brings for the future. Speaking of proud, 
Let's give a big congratulations to my U14 boys who went ahead and won themselves our Rapids Classic Tournament this weekend. They won the Silver Division. Okay, it's not not the most amazing thing. I'm not saying I've got, you know, state champions on my hands at the moment, but what an experience it was for the boys. Uh, I say this because the kids that I've coached since last year, they had a, some of them had a really, really tough year. Couldn't get very many good results despite playing really well, losing games in moments that were difficult to accept. Uh, some of the new kids who came up from the team below, they had already been in three finals since the spring and lost all of them. So to win yesterday, win a final 3-1, get the medals. I got, uh, you know, a cooler of water dumped on me. It's kind of funny when 13-year-olds are trying to do it. You actually have to, like, bend down and lean into it. It's it's hilarious. I'll uh, I'll provide a photo of that if you're watching the video. Maybe, actually, I'll provide the little video of that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's so much fun to see kids win um, a tournament. At, at the final whistle, two kids dropped to their knees and were just so excited. A bunch of the rest of them hugged each other. One kid was just pumping his fist by himself. And it was just, it was great to see. And um, that kind of joy, you know, just brings you back. It's like, what did I, I, I remember experiencing that. It feels so good. And as a coach, you just, you just love seeing when the kids are just like beyond happy and that they've done something. They've improved, they've achieved something and they should be proud of themselves. So that was great. Uh, as you can see by my forehead, if you're watching the video, I got roasted um, because, you know, when you're on the fields for eight hours, you got to re-up on the sunscreen at noon. You can't just ride that 7.30 a.m. layer through the whole day. Not in Colorado. It's not going to cut it. So I got burned. But, hey, fun weekend of football. Uh, I didn't get to go to the Rapids RSL game, even though a ticket was provided for me by the parents. Shout to them. But... I didn't go because I was out in the sun all day and I was exhausted, but what a match for the Colorado Rapids. And, and I wanted to start with this because they have been slept on. And I mean really slept on this season. If you take a look at the standings, they are currently third in the West and they have games in hand that could take them to the top of the table. Yet I have not seen them mentioned on any sports show. I don't see any articles written about them from outside. Hey, from a Rapids perspective, I'm cool with us flying under the radar. I'm totally good with that. But at the same time, it shows an insanely weird dynamic where the broadcasters, the writers, everybody, they're very, very stuck on certain teams. Now, Austin City FC, look, I'm really stoked on them. They're, you know, they're brand new franchise. The, the atmosphere in the stands is great. I totally believe they should be covered. But it's kind of interesting. There's certain teams that no one really seems to talk about unless there's something exceptional happening. So Rapids, you know what? Uh, hopefully we keep on going. Hopefully we uh, start to shake things up because at this point, I think there's very little chance we will slip out of the playoff picture. Uh, very little at all. And as a matter of fact, this is a team that we just signed Mark Anthony Kay, scored his first goal this weekend. Dominic Badgie's back. <laughs> and I mean, there's a real genuine chance that this team can make a run in the playoffs and no one is talking about them. So... Hopefully that that you know evolves a little bit and continues. But I've been I've been loving watching the Rapids this season in any way that I can, and I'm very excited for my hometown team to do well. 
So, also want to say shout out to Footy Misfits. I was on their show. This is not the only thing podcasting I've done since uh, since my Ida episode. I did step on Footy Misfits, and we had a great time. Discussed uh, a lot of the things that are coming with the new season. It was really really fun because I, I love the way they structure their show. They're really good at uh, really just talking about all the different BS that's going on and updating on the news. So that was a great time. Please check that out on their page. But also, here are a few clips and takes from that. The good brother out in the Rocky Mountains, living a Rocky Mountain high. He is one of the most out there, in a good way, content creators and podcasters in this footy space. I'm looking at his background right now, and it is so iconic with all these vintage kits in the cup. On the other side of North London, the other game you saw this week, Sebastian, game I saw as well, Spurs and Manchester City. Spurs ending that with a one nothing win. Spurs had themselves a great game. Hinman Son scoring the only goal. Spurs, I felt like, I don't know what it was. Um, They definitely put the whole Hurricane saga to bed. They played as if that was non-existent. They played as if Hurricane was just hurt. First of all, on Spurs. One thing I have heard repeatedly is that Nuno is like, was kind of, okay, I get he was not the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth pick that they had on their list. Right. But if I had made a list at the beginning of the season, he would have been in my top three. Because what he's done at Wolves is is kind of undeniably good. If he's working for Spurs, he's dealing with a whole new level of financial clout, notoriety, expectation. And I think Nuno is a quite legit manager. I mean, I don't remember him being ever bad as a manager in his entire time that he's been in the Premier League with Wolves. Sure, they've struggled at times, but this is a team that's always punched well above their weight. So Nuno, this is not an unusual promotion. If Ralph Hasenhutl had gotten the job, I wouldn't have been that shocked, right? Because this is a manager on an upward trajectory, upbeat, young, wants to make things happen. And has good connections. I mean, it's not bad to have, you know, Georgia Mendez who can just like sling you players. I'm not sure how that and Daniel Levy will work. I think that's an interesting thing behind the scenes that could be interesting. But I think Spurs look the way a Wolves side would look. But no Wolves side has Hyungmin Sun. And <laughs> good point. Hyungmin Sun was outstanding. And I think today was the day where we got to see a guy. As we were talking about off air, this is a guy who is number one for his country. He's the bona fide star for South Korea. So the idea that he doesn't know how to be a number one, I don't think is true. And he has watched the way Harry Kane has gotten the shine for years. He's been a part of the trio with Delhi, the quad with Erickson, the double with Kane. When, when, and then when he's when Kane's been out, he's still been delivering, as we all talked about. And so right. I think this may just be. The season where Hyungmin's son says, here's what Neymar wanted to do at PSG. Let me just go ahead and be the main man. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, don't I love some Neymar hate. Maybe you could fill me in on why Ibrahima Konate didn't see playing time. I don't know if it's it was a coach decision or if, he, if there was questions about his fitness going into it. I think yeah, it's because Joel Matip is like really good. <laughs> so it's the thing with Joel Matip is like as a Liverpool player, like you are a Liverpool fan, like you watch him play and like for the better part of most of the seasons, he's usually the best center back besides Virgil. But it's either he gets hurt or something happens 
But when you watch him play, like the guy was lights out. He did really well. And it might be just uh, to start off the season, probably go in with uh, the center back combination that has a little bit more history, a little bit more connection. So that's probably why even Virgil was starting the first game back when he's not, I guess, like fully match fit. But they played really well together. I'm sure Kanate will probably get the games in as like Klopp tries to rotate and keep players healthy, building playing time and all that stuff. I'm sure he'll get his playing time soon because even Joe Gomez didn't play, which I was kind of surprised about. But I'm just happy with the win, and I'm sure Kanate is going to start getting more time soon. And all the, the the we just have a glutton of center backs now, so whenever they're ready to play, just put them in. <laughs> and you said Kanate was on your fantasy team, Sebastian. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that. I thought I was like, well, he's good signing, you know. I don't know if Joe Gomez is totally fit. I didn't factor in Joel Matip. I was like, you know, Konate is a good signing. So and now I'm like, oh God, this is basically a Liverpool defense that is injury free and they can chop and change whoever with Virgil or not, if they want to give Virgil a break. Which is yeah. a great option for Liverpool. Honestly, Liverpool are back. I think it's great. I think it's great. I agree. It's hilarious that Martin Braithwaite scores a double. <laughs> um, because, look, in a way, Martin Braithwaite is, and, and this has nothing against him as a player. I, I'm glad for him he got, he got his move to Barcelona. That's a dream, right? But what they did in order to make sure they signed him what was it, a year ago or a year and a half ago whatever oh, where well, they, they just like, stole found him that from loophole that la liga has and they just took him from leganes and he was their top goal scorer and leganes i mean that that was one of those moments where you're like barcelona what on like how desperate are you at this point that you're willing to raid the lowest team in the league for one guy who if you said martin braithwaite to 90% of people they'd be like He's Scottish, oh. right? No, he's Danish. What? Yes. Martin Braithwaite's Danish? That's what most people would say. And we'd be like, hey, where does he that. play? And the guy gets picked up by Barcelona. And it was like, that was one of those lows, I think. That was one of those things where you really got to see. Imagine Lionel Messi sitting there going, I'm sorry, the club did what? They were trying to figure out how to bring Neymar back over the summer, and they've settled for him? So I think it's nice for him. That's what I'll say. But it also does show you where Barcelona are at. Gianluca Busio, it just went to Venezia. Yes, Gianluca Busio. Yes. So <laughs> we've got another MLS, another MLS player that joined. I think this is an incredible thing. The amount of MLS players. Look, I'm from Colorado. Uh, we just had Sam Vines get transferred to Royal Antwerp this summer. Yes. Uh, which is really cool. I coach with people who coached Sam. You know, when he was coming up through Rapids, and it's a really proud moment for Colorado soccer. You know, Ethan Horvath as well. And we're seeing like these European clubs come into like, especially Dallas, they're coming into the academy and going that one, 8 million. And the club is going, that wasn't even the one we thought was the best player. And so that means that there's something going on where there's so much talent and the European market's taking notice. I think the next few years, it's not just going to be, oh, Pulisic and Gio Reyna and oh, Josh no. Sargent, by the way, who's... Right, I think we're we're going to be seeing some really exciting transfers happen over the next few years, and players who go there and actually deliver versus go there and do a Landon Donovan. No, no disrespect, but so there's a really good point. American footy is on the rise in terms of all the talent that's coming out of U.S., especially down in Dallas. Hey, it is that time. It's BS of the week time. All right, so Everton. 
Everton Football Club. Before their opener against Southampton, which they won 3-1, Richarlison back from the Olympics, scoring goals as ever. In the build-up to their match, they put out a video of the Evertonians over the course of the pandemic that they lost because of COVID-19. Very touching for the club to do. Acknowledge the guys who are no longer with us, the guys and gals who are no longer with us. Other clubs are doing this as well. I don't know what happened. A genuinely nice gesture turned into some bullshit when it was pointed out, when you look at a minute 50 into the video, which has now since been deleted, on the upper right-hand corner, you see Anne Frank in the tribute. Sebastian's face said it all. Yes, that Anne Frank. Oh, no. Is this like when uh, they were putting cardboard cutouts of people in the stands and, and one of the Leeds fans paid for Osama Bin Laden's cutout to be in, in the ground? I've loved how hilarious your show is. I think uh, my favorite episode was your guys' coverage of the press release from the Super League. The night that that happened, I listened to your whole episode and I was like amped. I just got so fired up listening to that. I was like, this is it. Let's fight. It was great. So I, I give you guys huge props for that. That was tons of fun. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Um, it definitely means a lot to us. Yeah, that episode was one full hour of BS of the Week. That foodita, if you will. That's right. <laughs> so with that being said, um, LV should be back on with us next week for Sebastian and for Spencer. Two S's over there. I'm the R, Ronnie. We will see you for episode 55, which happens to be one year of the Football Misfits. Happy birthday, gentlemen. Thank you kindly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Peace and blessings and adios, mi gente. Well done, Ronnie. Well done. Well, Messi's at PSG. Wow, right? Goodness me, what a saga that was. I don't really understand it in full, and I don't know if we ever will or how long it'll take for the, for the details to come out and, and what happened. What it looks like is that Messi was totally down to go back. Barcelona said, yeah, 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 all the finances are fine. And then they sort of realized that they weren't, which I don't know how you make that mistake. So this is this is what I don't understand about it. The good thing is, look, for anyone who's not a Barcelona fan, this is kind of nice to actually see Messi put on a different shirt at a club level, play in a different league, play with some different people, a different identity. And I think it's good for Barcelona too. They need to move on. They need to refresh. It's kind of like... Real Madrid actually didn't go backwards once Ronaldo left. Not that much. And, you know, I mean, they won. They continue to win the Champions League. They won La Liga. What's really interesting is, I think, how they're going to be able to rejuvenate themselves, how they're going to figure out how to make back a lot of the money that they lost. This season's going to be big for them. That You know, they're going to have to do some things, shift some players probably. It's going to be interesting to see if Sergio Aguero actually finally registers and decides to stay because I think Messi was a huge reason why he was like yeah I, I really want to go to Barcelona play with Messi see if we can keep him there but that who knows how that's going to go but since the Galacticos I have not seen a star-studded like NBA style like packed packed roster like this um Paris are going to be a big draw this season, and it is nothing but good news for the French League. If anyone thinks, oh, well, now they're just going to tear through the French League and win it easily. 
You know what? They very likely will. I think you you may see a max point total haul this season from from PSG. But the good thing is, think about if you're Lorient or Brest or Angers, you're these small small clubs, and Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all come to town. Wow. I mean, the amount of people that are going to be going to those games just to say, I saw that, and here's the ticket. Um, it's going to be huge. And the French League's viewership is going to skyrocket this season. And I really, really hope the French League can battle its way back to hopefully be around the same level as Serie A or La Liga or or the Bundesliga and not just be that sort of lower, fi- the fifth tier that everyone considers it to be. Um because it's, it's a great league, and it, I know that it's difficult when you have one team that can continuously dominate based on their finances, but they didn't win the title last season either. Monaco won it just a few years ago before that, so there is every possibility that the, the French League will benefit more from this than actually it turning into a show that no one cares about, because I think everyone's going to watch. It, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Lukaku just went to Chelsea. That's a tasty one. I'm really, really excited for that, obviously. And it, it's a nice storyline for him because he was a Chelsea fan growing up, a, idolized Didier Drogba, came to the club too young. He, and he was just too young when he came to Chelsea in terms of how many years they would need to invest in him for him to become the player he is right now. And look, in the end, they've net spent a lot more money on him than they ever made. Everton are the biggest winners here. Inter Milan come in second. And I'd say Man United are the biggest losers in the entire Lukaku situation. Um, him leaving for Italy and, and joining with Conte, I think, was a massive step for his career. Now he's back at Chelsea, scores against Arsenal in 20 minutes. He's off and running. And this is going to be a seriously good season for him, I think. And Chelsea, it's going to be hard to see very many teams beating them. The way Tuchel has them playing... they're going to make a real run for the Premier League and, look, the Champions League, I think they will absolutely go deep. Whether they win it or not, who knows? It's the Champions League. It's the most difficult competition to (laughs) actually predict for the most part. Uh, Kane, Harry Kane. Will Harry Kane go to Man City? You know, I think this has got to get wrapped up by the end of the week, I believe. And if so, I'm starting to wonder if it's actually going to happen. I know Man City are sort of trying to play hardball on this. They're like, oh, we'll we'll hang, we'll wait. Every now and again, you see a report come out that Man City have shifted their attention from Harry Kane to someone else. I doubt that that's the case yet. But if we get to Friday and this isn't sorted out yet, I can totally see Man City just going and scooping up some forward from somewhere else. Um, yeah, I, that that one, we will see. I mean, it's, it's one week now. Are Man City going to pony up the cash? Are Tottenham going to drop the valuation? Is Harry Kane going to go bad boy and start striking? Who knows? We'll see. But it's definitely going to be a, an interesting saga. On that note, on note of Spurs, Nuno's off to a flyer. And I think it's funny because I, I said this before, a lot of people were like, oh, Nuno, he's in charge of Spurs. You know, he didn't really do that great in his last six months at Wolves. And, you know, I'm not really sure. Look at what he did at Wolves from when he took over to where he left. Enormous, enormous improvement from that club. And he's he was at the heart of it. Yes, he brought in all kinds of players, but he's the one that did that. And the fact that he's now at Spurs and has two wins on the trot in games where maybe they shouldn't have won, but 
that's exactly the way you want to get started. So really, really impressive from Nuno. And I'm, I'm happy for Spurs that they're kind of able to sort of dangle in front of Harry Kane. It's like, you know, we're two wins out of two here without you, basically. And you want to go to City? Are you sure? Who knows? We'll see how this pans out over the course of it. But it's been fun to hear the fans jump in and at times, you know, they're bringing Harry Kane like we're one of our own. But then after the Man City game, they were saying, are you watching? Are you watching? Are you watching Harry Kane? So it's going to be a fantastic thing. But fans really, really have brought everything we needed back. Feels like the Euros were a great stepping stone to getting us back to, to league fans. Because you, you do get a different type of atmosphere from league games. So it's it's been great to see them back. Whether it's in Germany, whether it's in England, anywhere, any level. Except... In Marseille. Wow, we had another malice in the palace. If you haven't seen that or don't know what that's all about, that is when uh, uh, the Detroit Pistons uh, had a brawl with the fans and the Pacers. They uh, brawled with the fans in the NBA. A pretty crazy situation where people were, where players were running into the stands. If you don't know much about this, run our tests. It's, it's an absolutely terrific thing. And there's a great documentary about it on Netflix to learn a lot about it. The only thing that was missing, actually, from what happened in Marseille was that, really, running into the stands, Eric Dyer style, if you will. But fans pouring onto the pitch, getting in fights with players. Sampaoli was out of his mind. I have no idea what was going on. The whole entire thing looked bad. And I know it was chippy. The game was kind of leading that way. But the fans in Marseille have to sort themselves out because they invaded the training pitch, burned a building to the ground. This was months ago and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many people actually remember that this is the same fan base yes they're upset yes they're frustrated at different ownership issues coaching issues but now I mean you you're going onto the field Dimitri Payet threw a water bottle back into the stands these guys have been throwing stuff on the field all game if a player throws something back and the fans start to, and for them, that's too much. And now they start to invade the pitch way over the top. So really unfortunate scenes there. And, you know, it, it, it is really frustrating. But I think seeing the fans back in stadiums, it, it, one thing that it does, it doesn't sterilize the game. It keeps us talking about actual real things and important things. From time to time, not having fans in the stadium, it just felt like, well, if there were fans, this is what we would think. This is what we would talk about. So, once again, we know the importance of them and how and how crucial they are to making this game everything it is. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have been uh, sort of picking up your podcast feeds and being like, when is, did he quit? What's going on? I don't really like to tell people I'm going on a little break. I just like to take my breaks uh, and then come back when I'm ready. And hopefully over the next few months, I can bring a lot more quality interviews with people as well as some good takes on everything that is happening in the world of football. The other really fun announcement, I own campfirefootball.com. So for any of you who are thinking of getting ahead of me on that, too bad. I'm still in the process of building my website, but we will get there eventually. And the, uh, yeah, little campfire is getting a little bigger. I hope all of you listeners out there have enjoyed your summer of football. Let's get ready for the fall. Shout outs. Much love. This is Campfire Football. Take it easy.